From Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, this is the KZYX News for Thursday, November 4th. I'm Sarah Wright. Time is running out for a regional entity to take over the license for the Potter Valley Project. The Two Basin Partnership, a coalition of local government and conservation groups seeking to take over the license from PG&E, is unlikely to meet the deadline to submit its application. And funding sources for a costly study plan have not materialized. FERC, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, recently refused the partnership's request for a little more time. On top of all that, the 5 or $10 million transformer at the powerhouse in Potter Valley is now defunct, causing further uncertainty. The inoperable transformer means that the powerhouse can no longer produce electricity, though a diversion of about 135 cubic feet per second is still possible using a bypass structure. In a recent letter to the Farm Bureau, Congressman Jared Huffman wrote that, with FERC denying the extension and with no near-term prospects for funding the $18 million study plan, the prospects for securing a FERC license are not good. Huffman wrote that without money for the studies, FERC would terminate the license application process and the Potter Valley Project will default to surrender and decommissioning. He added that in that scenario, PG&E, rather than the partnership, would have to pay for the necessary studies and infrastructure changes, including removing Scott Dam. But Janet Polly, the chair of the Inland Water and Power Commission and a director on the board of the Potter Valley Irrigation District, says the surrender process is a black box. The IWPC is itself a coalition that's part of the Two Basin Partnership. It leaves us with a lot more questions than answers. Licensing process is pretty cut and dried. But with surrender, you assume that the power production part of the project would no longer exist. But as far as what remains of the existing infrastructure, at this point in time, we we really don't know. Reggie Collins is the legal and policy director for California Trout, a conservation group which is also a member of the partnership. Cal Trout has advocated for the removal of Scott Dam for years. Collins suspects that PG&E will choose not to repair the transformer. Opinions differ on whether the project would continue to come under the purview of FERC if it can't generate electricity. But Collins thinks the water diversion from the Eel to the Russian River could continue without the power. The reality is that in all likelihood it will move to a surrender proceeding, which means that the powerhouse is coming out, that powerhouse is coming out anyway. We think that the water rights that PG&E holds uh, right now are sufficient to continue the diversion um, regardless of power production. And those water rights, we think, will be adequate to uh, move that water over without power generation. Polly emphasized that there are still a lot of unknowns. We don't understand how any of the diversion uh, structures uh, that exist or are potentially going to be changed would function if Scott Dam is removed and then the sediments behind Scott Dam would be released into the Eel River. It's a, it's a tremendous amount of sediment that would have to make its way down the Eel River over time and certainly would impact uh, our ability to divert water from the Eel into the Russian. And we have to look at which option is the best actually for fish, fish passage too. And I don't think that that is, is clear yet. But the issue of diverting water through the project Um, is not just the amount of water, partly it's when the water is diverted and when it's available and how much we would be allowed to divert um, under certain hydrologic conditions. And also with regards to the life cycles of migrating fish, 
Collins says that Caltrot has worked with the California Department of Fish and Wildlife to engineer three possibilities for a diversion without the powerhouse, which he expects will be publicly available next month. Any plan will take successful negotiations at multiple levels. The three options range from about 35 to about $66 million for that diversion structure itself. So would that also be something that PG&E would have to pay for if this process moves into a surrender? I think that the, it's all in the negotiation, right? But what we'd like to do with our partners and a larger uh, group of stakeholders is to insert ourselves into uh, a settlement conversation, basically negotiate with PG&E um, amount of money that they expect, realistically minimum cost, and then what we would like to do. And then we would have to make up that difference somehow. And likely it would be state and federal funding. We're seeing in the infrastructure negotiations on the federal side, you know, I've seen figures of, of $22 billion. I've seen, you know, uh, $2 billion for basically dam remediation. And so we're hoping to tap into that uh, growing uh, zeitgeist and actually fund uh, this project through that work. One of the things that I've been concerned about as the powerhouse is kind of falling apart and the, the estimates of the costs pile up is that the, the public, local governments, and organizations will be left holding the bag while PG&E just slips out the back door. And it kind of sounds like it is still possible for PG&E to make the public pay for this with, you know, state and federal money that is that is public money and it's not PG&E paying for it, even though they mm-hmm. tend to stick ratepayers with the bill. Yeah, PG&E deserves to pay for every cent of this solution. They acquired it and they've let it slowly erode over time. They've been obstinate in, without helping us. And so they're going to be put in a position where, you know, they're going to have to to pay for those 15 to $18 million that ratepayers could have avoided through an earlier you know payment to the partnership. And frankly, their bad operation of this dam, as well as other dams across the state, have led them into a position where they're going to rely on their both their rate base and public and, and federal funding. So I'll be the first to say that um, PG&E is not a well-run company in this regard, um, and that we're extremely disappointed in their lack of leadership in this. For KZYX News, I'm Sarah Wright. For all our local news with photos and more, visit kzyx.org. You can also subscribe to the KZYX News Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.